three, two, one. Welcome to Talking Kotlin. <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. Suddenly, last minute, Seb decided to switch roles and tells me to do the intro and he's doing the countdown and I'm completely lost. I, I've never done this thing, right? So uh, welcome to Talking Kotlin. Hello, Seb. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I love switching things up like this because now I get to see what it is like from your perspective. And I have to say the countdown is a little easier than, than doing the introduction, I think. <laughs> I know it is. That's what, that's why I keep doing it year after year after year. It's been how many years now that we've been doing this? Oh God, it hasn't even been a single year. Anyway, uh, you look very, uh, uh, cheerful today. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's Advent time. Advent of code started yesterday. So, uh, I'm a mixture between very excited and very sleepy because I get up at like five 45 every morning now. Um, but yeah. You know, I've got my I've got my Christmas hat ready for more festivity. I just don't think it's very compatible with this. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's very compatible with the with the headphones. I think you look fine. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, doesn't let, make it worse. It you way. mean you don't look any worse? Oh, does, thanks. Does that make does that make you feel better? Oh, so much. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. So this is actually going to be our last ever episode that we record um, this year. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> you decided to wear red and I decided to, you know, shake things up a little bit and continue to wear black T-shirt, which is what I always wear to these things. Um, in fact, that's what I wear everywhere. Uh, but anyway, enough about us. Well, we have a guest today, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to every other show where we also have a guest. That's that's right. Uh, today we're we're sitting down with uh, Urs Urs Peter, who's a senior software engineer at uh, Xavier and who's also a JetBrains certified Kotlin trainer. Hi Urs, welcome to the show. Yes, welcome guys for this uh, lengthy and uh, in-depth introduction. Cool, nice to be here with you. Looking forward. Yeah. Yeah. So you want me to introduce myself a bit, or <laughs> no? It's we good. Just we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. We're just in a bit of a deadlock between Hadi and me because we switched roles, so now everything's broken. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Hadi. Why no, don't you take I was the going to say, uh, where are you based, Urs? Well, I'm based in the Netherlands, near you guys, near Amsterdam, Utrecht. That's where I'm well, based. That's pretty far away from me and uh, Seb. Yeah, but, you uh, you guys is a bit uh, yeah. So since I'm based in Munich and Hadi's based in, in Malaga, but close to JetBrains and at least close to a lot of the Kotlin team. Okay, cool. I just meant that I thought that Kotlin team has moved to Amsterdam. We're a big portion of it, so in that sense, close to uh, where I am. Yeah. Sure. Good thing is that good thing for everybody in the world neither Seb or I are on the Kotlin team so you know <laughs> okay yeah um yeah but i th i think we actually uh, first met at one of the Kotlin dev days in Amsterdam right exactly you know these ones yeah the dev days yeah so I took the opportunity today to get it out of my uh, cupboard because when are you going to wear these things anyway? I think, yeah, today then. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, uh, I've, I've definitely worn them a couple of times, but they're they're very clear in their messaging, these hoodies. Uh, there's there's no mistaking with, with the size of text that they that they put on there. 
what you are and what you do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Have Whenever I give been... a training, this is the, the the sweater I wear everywhere. So I'm the coddling guy that comes in. It's a good good advertisement for people that don't do it yet. Nice. Uh, it's like it's like 26 degrees in the room. Uh, you know, no air conditioning, but I gotta wear the sweater. Like I gotta wear the hoodie. Exactly. It's, uh, I'm sweating on the hair, but I gotta wear the hoodie. It's a free mm -hmm. sauna. You have to look at it from that angle. You know, Dutch Dutch people like to always save for stuff, so that's that's how I do it. <laughs> Dutch people like to save on stuff. Is is that a thing? I I did not realize that. Yeah, 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 definitely. You didn't. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of a sport uh, in this uh, country. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's where the saying "Go Dutch" comes from. Is 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 that exactly is that where it exactly? Comes from? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you just don't really pay enough, even for your friends. Ah, okay. <laughs> so that's why I actually assume they would would embrace Kotlin a bit faster than they do. I mean, they do quite well because it's less lines, you know, it's less code. But yeah, apparently, uh, they haven't gotten this yet. So, uh, so still, if we start charging for Kotlin, it's just not going to work in Holland, uh, yeah, the we're, Netherlands, we're... right? Oh, I fear yeah. not. Oh. No. Oh, I said all that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to cut that part out. Anyway, what's the topic today that we're going to discuss with, with yours? Well, the topic um, that I've chosen together with our host is uh, server-side cuddling. And then especially, of course, um, ideally a bit advanced parts with coroutines and the like. We also can touch a bit on the, definitely we'll touch on Spring Boot because if you like it or not, it's still the widest used framework out there. And maybe also can touch a little bit on Loom because I don't hear ChatBrains talking a lot about it, but it's really coming. <laughs> and I did my experiences with it, so I have some opinions about it. Maybe we can talk about it too. Oh, definitely. I mean, we have covered uh, Spring uh, numerous times, I think, on the show, and we have uh, covered uh, server side as well. And but we definitely want to see your angle on this. And and Loom is is very interesting. So maybe, in fact, we could start with Loom. What, what are your thoughts on Loom? And, and you say it's coming and that we're not talking about it much. I don't think that's intentional, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe before that, do you want to explain to our listeners what is Loom? Well, okay. I, I was assuming that's going to happen, Seb, but okay, thank you very much. Yes. Oh, thank you for telling. I really wouldn't... Uh, yeah. Totally forgotten that. Well, what is Loom? It's Project Loom. It's probably the project that has been longest around ever in the Java community. Ready for years they're talking about Loom, and it never arrived. But until this September, they announced it as a preview feature in Java 19. So actually, now is really the moment where stuff is getting serious. Then you still don't know what Loom is. Well, actually, in a nutshell, Loom is coroutines embedded in the GVM. So not on the language level, but on TVM level. And what you'll see in Loom is they kind of really copy paste a lot of stuff out of coroutines. I mean, all the concepts that are there and we can talk about them maybe later on uh, more in detail. They kind of ported them and well, put them in the TVM. And the way they did this is also very interesting. There were quite some iterations going through it. So they, they had, um, different kind of names also they talked about green threads they talked about fibers uh, eventually they became virtual threads and well the approach they did is kind of interesting so that's for the introduction i can talk a lot more about it but maybe that's for the introduction so what you basically get then maybe that that's a that's a good thing to add what you should get on gvm is that without any kind of additional abstraction I mean, with core teams, you have a minimal amount of extraction. You only have to suspend keywords, so to say. 
that's abstraction that's introduced, the builders. And when you have Loom, then actually without any abstraction, you get the same performance out of your application. So basically non-blocking IO as if it is blocking in your code, but it's not blocked as long as it runs on this virtual thread. So essentially we're kind of getting native JVM support uh, for, for what coroutines did uh, for a couple of years now. Would that be a, a, a way of, of saying it? That's exactly a way of saying it. And in that sense, also, I think it's good to emphasize that Kotlin is only a host language, right? So the Kotlin doesn't own the JVM. So the approach Kotlin has chosen is basically the only approach they could have chosen because they cannot influence the JVM by themselves. And now actually Java went more bit the Go route. Go did more or less the same. So they embedded this whole um, yeah, latency behavior into the JVM itself. And that's only something Java can do. That's not something we could do. But of course, so so Java has its its existing abstractions, right? So you have uh, you have threads, for example, that just uh, or, or thread pools that all at least on some level map directly to to your system threads. Are those abstractions staying the same with Project Loom, or are they introducing like something something new there? Uh, do people have to change their the mental model if they come from the Java or from the Kotlin world? That's a very good question. And I said, I kind of really followed the whole design process of Loom and well, <laughs> they made a decision, which is quite funny in the sense that most probably we as Kotlin developers will profit way more from it than Java does. <laughs> it's kind of a paradox, right? So what, what they did is, first of all, they tried to come up with some sort of new kind of threat, but then they said, yeah, we want to stay back as compatible and all the Java people, they, well, um, how are, are they going to kind of absorb that? Because you don't want to have the same, like with all this reactive stuff, it's, it's only actually tools for specialists. I mean, when you go to an average project and you say use reactive, then they, they look at you like that and maybe one or two guys think they know what they're doing and they still don't know what they're doing. So this is actually how reactive turns out to be used in the world, at least what I see around me and I come to quite some environments. So I dare to say this is a bit of the average. So what, what, what the child people said, okay, so let's not introduce a new abstraction, just reuse the interface of thread. That's basically what they did. So they have, instead of the normal threads, and as you say, they're normally kind of connected to the, to the, the OS threads. So they introduced the same thing, the same thread interface, but then it's called virtual thread. And virtual thread is really the same like a coroutine. And virtual threads, of course, also need some real thread to be executed. That, that's what they call a carrier thread in, uh, in Java. So thread pools is just not needed anymore. Pools you always need if reads are expensive, right? In coroutines, you don't have coroutine pools. Why? Because they're cheap. So thread pools will actually also disappear in Java in the sense when you have at least virtual threads, you just can get new world threads as you can get new coroutines. And this choice kind of is interesting because it's true. I mean, it is, it is, it's not invasive. So you have the same abstraction, but depending on which thread you run, if you do blocking stuff, it will really block on a normal thread. But if you have a virtual thread and you really don't know, unless you really kind of uh, say thread, current thread um, instance of virtual thread, 
uh, then you know that use the virtual thread, then stuff just behaves as in coroutines, nicely non-blocking. Okay, so is this the part where you said that, that Kotlin developers might be profiting more from this than, uh, than Java developers, specifically because of this little, uh, like, making, making this distinction? Like, if your code is already engineered towards using, using coroutines, um, then you know it's not going to block your, your underlying thread, I, I would assume. Uh, whereas you probably don't have that with legacy Java code. Yeah, so um, that's not really, I think, where the confusion will be resolved in Kotlin. The, the, the point is, when you do this kind of uh, virtual, green, whatever thread you call it, fiber stuff, then you have some things to take care of. And one of the things, for instance, is context propagation, right? So uh, all these, these server containers, they work with this thread local concept that some sort of context go through a whole call chain. And when you have a single thread that's easy, you just can lift on the, on the thread you're using to execute the thing. But when you have multiple threads, that's kind of issue. Recording is nicely solved, so you can, of course, pass uh, context, and then it will be nicely propagated through all the coroutines. And in Java, because they don't have these function literacy receivers, you know, these kind of, um, yeah, that's the word Kotlin uses. Maybe I have a better word for people to understand. These are these kind of code blocks, like coroutine scope, and then if you code block, where you get some context in it, for instance, the coroutine scope. These constructs are lacking in Java. So what Java came up with, they also have some sort of way to propagate your, uh, your data across a whole call chain that involves many virtual threads. But these APIs are just really, really horrible to use. That's really just, ugh. But Kotlin, because we have this abstraction, we can make this kind of hide away. We simply could say, instead of in scope, we could say virtual scope. And then you have all the scoping in need where you could say, okay, this is a kind of block that needs to make use of this structure concurrency. So this is uh, one big advantage you have. A second is, <laughs> which is really kind of, yeah, extremely confusing for Java people. You might know the evolution of future. Do you know the evolution of future in Java? You know, I'm, I'm the old guy with us. gray hair. Yeah, I think it would make sense to repeat it in any case. You'd give a quick yeah. summary for our listeners. Okay, so I think in, I don't know, 1.7, something like that, Java, don't, don't pin me on that, but definitely before 1.8, um, they had a future abstraction. Well, it's, it's, it's an, a future abstraction uh, models latency, so you can have a task that executes, and once you get a reply back, then normally you'd expect a function a function to be triggered. It's sort of a callback, but then in a, in a more structural way than just passing some function that is executed once you get there. You get really something back of a future once a, a result has been computed. The first future Java implemented is really ridiculous. They made it blocking. So you could indeed execute the second task in some other thread, but when you waited for the result, you had to block this future. So you always had two threads kind of wasted. Okay, so that was 1.7, then people started to think this. I think Scala also had a big influence on them because Scala did futures in, in a neat way. And then it came when 1.8 came with the completable future. And I think this was more or less the first abstraction that was kind of a decent reactive approach, except that it was way over the top and very, very complicated to use. And there you got the nice way, you got the map or the flat map, right? So map would be called once the result is there, and then you would get another completable future, and then you would stay in this complete future change with the, the monadic kind of uh, approach that actually all the reactive frameworks use. 
And then you have all the other toolkits uh, like uh, Spring as Webflux, Mono, and so on. Now back to Loom, right? How do you model um, parallel behavior in Loom? In coroutines, we have async await, right? We can, or launch. You can launch different coroutines and then you get parallel behavior, or you can say async and eventually await and then get results back. This is how we do it in, in coroutines. In Loom, this is something you need an abstraction for. You cannot just say, um, these statements go parallel. I mean, you somehow have to tell the language, I want to execute something in parallel. So what they did is, because now when you block something, like for instance, the Java 1.7's future where you did a blocking get for the value is bad for real threads, but for virtual thread, threads, it's not bad because it doesn't block. <laughs> so now when you have a virtual thread, and you use the old Java future from 1.7, it's perfectly fine. That's what they also give you an example. So you don't need to use this kind of complete future where you stay in these horrible call chains where you get this nested kind of code instead of the sequential code. So actually they, they kind of tell you, hey, go use these uh, old futures from 1.7 in order to achieve parallel behavior. But how are you going to explain to someone who's not really into deep in the interactive stuff that Depending on your threat, this is good or this is bad. I think confusion is perfect. And in Kotlin, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say confusion. That's a good. That's a good uh, place to to maybe talk about confusion, right? Because uh, you know what I'm hearing quite a bit is that, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, that uh, the abstractions, are, the, sorry, the implementation of Loom is lower down so that many things don't change. Uh, but, and maybe this will impact things in a positive way in terms of performance, but coroutines wasn't only about performance. It's, it's also about finding an easier programming model, something that reactive Rx Java and maybe threading wasn't really the easiest way to, to handle these kinds of, uh, applications. Do you think that project loom addresses this in any way? Because yeah, by definitely. the sounds of it, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, definitely it does. It does. So, uh, I'm, indeed, you might get impressed because I said they only kind of change the thread. That's it. That's not entirely true. They still have means to make structure concurrency work as it works in Kotlin coroutines. So, what you use in Java, you use the try with resource block. So, within try with resource blocks, these are kind of boundaries for structure concurrency. The and same also construct, some, try with resource. Yeah. <laughs> so then you would have some executor and you say, give me the executor and this execute, then you can execute stuff. And this would then be the, yeah, the granularity you have where you get this kind of clear boundaries first, uh, complete that before you continue something else. So they, mm -hmm. they baked in with kind of existing Java constructs. They baked this into, uh, into loop. And I said, it's confusing, right? Because it's just existing constructs that get a total different meaning and i'm curious whether people are going to understand it whereas in kotlin you can kind of keep this kind of more or less the same abstraction that we have with coroutines for instance for async await you still can make some some async await when you have this kind of virtual context instead of courting context you could make an async method on it and then Instead of you could get back such a future, but you would then, for instance, use an await on this future. Then you have more or less the same paradigm. For code developers, it would kind of be a seamless, uh, seamless switch. Whereas for Java developers, said I'm, yeah, I'm really uh, pressing some that they will kind of manage that or 
move over to Kotlin, of course. <laughs> so your prediction in this case would be that the coroutines APIs as they are now uh, can just make use of, of Loom when it arrives. Uh, like it essentially is just kind of a, it makes the, the engine uh, under the hood a little less complicated. We need to do less like transformations and stuff. But as an application developer, um, the the mental concepts that I've I've spent a bunch of time learning over the last few years, uh, those will still apply the same. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's it's a very good question because that's also a bit something I'm curious about how the Kotlin team is thinking of that, because you have different options. The nice thing about Loom is that it's truly non-invasive. Uh, in Kotlin, once you suspend, then it's it's kind of viral all over. I mean, you still get nice signatures, so that's a really big benefit. But still, and in the beginning of a call chain, you somehow need to provide this context. With virtual threads, when you just use a virtual thread factory that gives you all, all the time a new, a new virtual thread, you just can start with virtual thread everywhere, right? So this is already a big advantage. So, which, which you get to actually two options. So first, you could only use virtual threads and then provide some new kind of builder methods with virtual scope, async, await, only for virtual threads, so not doing it with core teams at all. Maybe a simple library, I thought already about it, maybe you could write it just to get a bit of feeling how this would look like. I think you would get far, except of course for flow. You still need abstraction that uh, models values over time. This is not in the threading yet. You need something like that, if you like it or not. Also, the, 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 Java, the Java implementation needs to have such an abstraction. So that is one choice. The other would be that you say, okay, we just stay within coroutines and use virtual thread instead of coroutine. Probably it's not very smart to use coroutines on top of virtual thread because then you have two lightweight implementations on top of each other. I think, I think, yeah, you could probably get it more performant if you kind of would iron that out. But this is something for also the language designer to maybe also make it agnostic that when you have a virtual thread, they kind of skip their own coroutines, but then use, yeah, the virtual thread instead. Mm -hmm. That's something those Kotlin could provide. Yeah. I so guess there, I'm also a bit, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious how this will be uh, kind of implemented. But uh, just as a summary, it would be really cool that you don't need to spend anymore and you just have this behavior in Kotlin. Okay. Yeah, I mean, possibly uh, the the whole kind of switch from like state machines, how coroutines are implemented currently, um, to just going for, for virtual threads with, with Loom. Maybe that's even something the, the compiler can somehow provide. Uh, if we have uh, someone like Roman Yelizarov or someone from the coroutines team on the, on the show again, I think this is a question we might need to keep in our back pocket. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. So I'm also really curious and following this for me, I said, let's be honest. I mean, this is really hardcore. <laughs> According to is, I mean, I looked at it. This is just hardcore. Probably also a lot of testing to see whether really don't get any kind of uh, of, of leak or or un unexpected behavior. So yeah, this I would really leave up to the pro and not uh, not to myself. <laughs> <laughs> the happy few of this world that can handle this kind of uh, complexity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so for the rest of us, um, non. How would I say non-advanced folks, or at least me, how does this affect me as a Kotlin developer that is used to using coroutines? 
should I be looking at other options or can I continue safely down the path of coroutines or what? Yeah, so I might now say something a bit unorthodox to know if you like it. But you that's can what say I whatever say. you want. Uh, we'll cool. cut it out later if we don't agree. Exactly, so exactly. It's fine. <laughs> so first of all, um, core teams are definitely here to stay because on Android, there is no loom, right? So, uh, and also on, on the native, there is no loom. Yeah, it's not multi-platform. So, exactly, exactly. So core teams are here to stay. But server-side GVM, that might be a different story. So what I tell people is, if your application performance is not so crucial and your resource uh, usage is not really crucial, you spin just up another container, why do all the hassle and use this reactive stuff? That's what they say, because when Loom eventually arrives, at least all the IO and everything will automatically get better in terms of resource usage and so on. So you will get your performance kind of boost automatically over time. And if you now can live with it, don't just burn yourself with all the complexity of using coroutines. So this is actually what I say the default. If you have really business case, and I've written, of course, applications that have a business case that, that need this low latency, but also manageability in terms of maintenance of your code needed now, uh, reactive drivers and so on, then I definitely advise them always use coroutines, never use a reactive toolkit. Why? Because should Loom arrive, it's so much easier to rewrite your coroutine applications in case it doesn't make sense anymore to a Loom style than just throw out all the monos and all these abstractions that you put into there. That, that's kind of, it's kind of full rewrite you get when you move from reactive code bases to Loom. That's rewrite. So coroutine, I think, if you need it now, is, is the best choice you can do. And if you don't need it, don't do it. Loom will kind of fix it for you over time. That's my recipe. All right. So let's. Uh, I think this is a this is a good segue because you you already mentioned um, kind of server load and in general like server server side projects here. Um, so what are kind of the in, incumbents? What are what are people currently using? Um, where you are where you are telling them uh, move over uh, to. Uh, to coroutines. I mean, Rx Java is, I guess, the obvious one, but I guess there's more. Yeah, definitely. So, actually, Rx Java is not used often server side because there is no big framework supporting it very well. So, if you look uh, at Spring Boot, they use Reactor. They have these monos and fluxes. When you look at uh, Quarkus, they use their own abstractions, the Uni and something else. They all, all invent the uh, same names over and over again just to make it really hard to step over. And I think Micronaut, I think Micronaut, yeah, I, I don't I don't know for sure. I think they, they might use R they might use Rx Java. That's possible. Yeah. I've I've looked at how they do coroutines, but not at how they how they do uh, reactive uh, by themselves. So these are a bit uh, the three flavors uh, you have. And as I said, in all flavors, it's so silly to use their own abstractions because a Uni is really not the same like a Mono is not the same like Rx Java. It's just, just the implementation details, they are quite different. And you get actually more or less relearn a whole new framework again. Whereas if you use coroutines that just abstract all these mess away, well, then you can much easier switch from one framework to the other. So if you're a framework hopper, it's even, and you want to use reactive framework stuff. hopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
nowadays uh, you have all kind of people yeah i mean this it does seem like a like a pretty easy win in in this regard if the if the option is getting a, a bunch of different ones or or having one that's kind of vendor independent uh as an abstraction uh it's exactly yeah i i guess it just allows you to 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 switch much easier um yeah. so i i think one of the one of the big points uh that like if you want to do a, a a direct comparison between between reactive frameworks uh, and and kind of kind of coroutines, one of the things that that often gets discussed as well is is Kotlin flows, right? So mm -hmm. how 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 do those fit into like the the overall puzzle? Yeah, I I had the pleasure to write streaming APIs in Spring Boot with service and events. And uh, yeah, first I've written them in Scala. Uh, there's a lot to say about Scala. It's really complex, but it also really works well. <laughs> uh, we, we didn't do this in Kotlin yet because it was still experimental. And we also had initially some issues. Now they're ironed out. So I think now I would say I give it a go because the code was getting way simpler when you use a uh, flow instead of uh, the, the Scala stuff. So this is legacy by now. Um, yeah. I personally like Flow way better than the reactive counterparts. And, and for instance, that's what I've written in Spring Boot with fluxes, then you don't have to monos. Monos is actually single value. Fluxes is multiple values over time. Fluxes is just a terrible abstraction to work with. It, it's, it's kind of this blueprint you give with all kinds of things that might happen. And then you kind of hope and pray that it behaves as you want. And if it doesn't, then you really scratch your head many times. And Flow is kind of, it, you can almost see the code go go through it. And of course, it also aligns nicely with um, with other uh, suspend functions. What's also really cool about Flow is that, for instance, also for GDBC, you can turn GDBC into Flow. This is with this blocking Flow uh, extension they have. That's also what they use because Oracle, they say they have reactive tool, but they don't. So there we had to use the GDBC driver instead of the reactive R2DBC driver. And with these kind of tools, we got it really easily hooked into um, into Flow. So you're just kind of building this abstraction uh, yourself, or do do the frameworks already provide uh, this this integration between, for example, GDBC and uh, and your flows? No, no, these frameworks don't uh, provide. You have to write yourself, but it's really easy because you have some sort of blocking helper method available in Flow that tells, okay, here you just can do some blocking code, then you have some callbacks to implement. So it's maybe 20 lines of code. Of course, it's a bit complex code, but it's, it's quite well done. And the nice thing about Flux, for instance, is you simply can convert it to Flow. So the reactor extensions of Kotlin X, they all have these conversions that uh, you can easily convert them. So that's what immediately did, because yeah, underneath it's still, of course, reactor, what we're using, but to make it manageable, yeah, with either coroutines or Flow. And then it was really a piece of cake to implement it. So even when you have kind of some some APIs that are already out there or that you're relying on uh, that are using Reactor, it's it's pretty easy to just plug yourself in, use the same concepts that you know with, with Flow. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Same for Kafka. Many people have to use Reactor for Kafka because it's also a widely used thing in enterprise. And there also you simply say flux to Flow and then you kind of, oh yeah, I get it again. <laughs> I'm really think I just I'm I think think that they did it so fantastically in in Kotlin. I really have to praise praise you guys. That first of all you provide coroutines, which is a very uh, sane and decent abstraction. But then you also provide tools to kind of leverage all kind of asynchronous constructs 
with simply one method to this new universe, this is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Really. While, while we're not on the Kotlin team, all of the compliments we will accept. Thank you. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you speak a lot about Spring, and I guess you have a lot of experience with Spring. But when it comes to server-side frameworks and and you being out there in the field, providing training and consulting for folks, uh, what are the main ones that people are using with Kotlin, other than Spring Boot? Yeah. So. <laughs> That's an interesting, uh, a very good question. Very good question. So maybe first, why I'm um, I'm not really particularly a fan of Spring. Just to just to 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 face, I've used many others, also very complex ones like Arca. Good luck with Arca and all the CRS event sourcing stuff that you you get uh, there. Um, what's interesting about Spring is is that it's most widely used, and if it's most widely used then when people step over from Java to Kotlin, they only have to learn a new language. And if you have to learn both, that's quite a thing. For Charlab, it's already quite a big hop to learn a new language, but then also learn a total new framework that, let's be honest, in the end, they more or less do the same, just in a different way. I haven't really seen this particular framework that does something way more better. I will talk about it in a minute. There are some, some things that might be interesting in others, but in the end, even if you skater or spring, they achieve more or less the same result. It's a different, different means. So that's why I'm actually also really a, a, a kind of don't push people at all to, for instance, go to something else. Just use what you used, but use it with Kotlin. That already gives you so much more benefit. And, with and also when you want to... <laughs> what? And with coroutines, I guess, not just with Kotlin. Of course, of course. Yes, of course, uh, with Spring Boot, and then yeah, the, the, the sensible way with uh, with coroutines. So this is for actually the Java people that move over to Kotlin. We just uh, we made acquisition recently with Forty Seven. You might know the guys, the guys from Arrow. They do a lot of functional programming stuff, and it's interesting to see they have a bit of different customer base. We are targeting a bit because we are big TVM people, so we will target our TVM market, but they are more targeting the, the kind of uh, yeah, functional market, functional programming market. And there you see sometimes companies stepping over from total different ecosystem to Kotlin. And there, it's actually also a good idea, I would say, to start with Kitor because this is really native to, to Kotlin. It is coroutines by default, no, no abstraction on top of it and so on. So there I think Kitor is a perfect fit. So my point is it's not good or bad, you know, it really, it's very, it's highly contextual. And in terms of the other frames of Spring Boot, what Spring Boot does particularly bad nowadays is the whole uh, native stuff. You know, Spring Boot really relies on this class spot scanning, reflection, and native is really getting big, also in the Java world. I don't know if you're aware of that. Just went to conference, I'm quite surprised. This kind of make containers spin up instantly has become a real necessity. So this is the whole idea of, of Graal native image, that kind of stuff? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is really taking a tremendous flight right now. Because you have serverless kind of architectures and a GVM starting up. GVM is nice if it runs and after 10,000 calls, you get the optimization. This is where GVM kind of, of, of shines, but not with fast startup. It's just horrible. We also had the same use some lambdas. We written that I mean Python till now because having in a Kotlin GVM doesn't work. Yeah, Kotlin GS, but that wasn't in terms of, of frameworks. But now with Graal VM, we just had a, a, a 
where the working example that that kind of is a is a sweet spot. So Spring Boot does this particularly, yeah, bad because it was not designed for that. So now they really try to make this work. And Spring the trees, the focus is really on native. Quarkus, for instance, was I think more one of the first. They kind of made it very easy to run on the Graal VM. And Micronaut too, because Micronaut wanted actually to have all these compile all these dependency injection at compile time rather than runtime. So Micronaut's also redesigned to have uh, larger startup times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I th I think if I if I recall correctly, and you can correct me here, Hadi, um, I believe that the Ktor also it both has has Graal VM support with like native image, and it also just goes straight for Kotlin native uh, without correct. the without the JVM abstraction. Correct. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Yep. On server side, yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the the server side Kotlin, and that na native side. Sorry, client side has already been there for a while, but the server side, which is the one that we recently. Or recently, no, I was like earlier this year. Well, we did uh, Kotlin native support. That's September, right? Then the new memory model was announced. I think that was a kind of a key for Kotlin to really move forward uh, on the on the native side. Well, we had uh, we had support for Kotlin native in Ktor very early this year, um, even before the new memory model. Um, but ah, yeah, we we've yeah. got folks using uh, both actually, both via Growl as well as directly via Kotlin native. At the same time. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time. And they've got JVM in the background. And they've got a fail-safe option of, uh, if all else fails, you've always got Node.js. You know? <laughs> OK. <laughs> yeah, I'm also quite interested in how this de development is going. Because as you say, you have native or you have Graal. The nice of Graal, of course, is that you can use all most of the stuff that Java has produced. And native. Yeah, this is a library issue, right? It's also a chicken egg problem, I guess. If you don't have a lot of libraries, people won't use it. And yeah, how are we going to solve that? So I'm also really curious how this is going to develop. So I keep really. Uh... Well, I mean, that's a general problem with Kotlin. With general problem, it's a, it's a thing that needs is is affects everything in terms of multi-platform with Kotlin. Uh, and uh, but it's surprising that what I found is so there's a bunch of libraries that the libraries team at uh, JetBrains are working on. Um, some what we could consider core libraries, but there's already tons of other libraries out there that are multi-platform. And, you know, every time I look, I discover more things. And then it, it feels like now it's become a myth in a sense, right? That, well, there's no Kotlin multi-platform libraries. Well, actually there is. The, the other aspect is how can we try and make this more discoverable, which is something we're working on from the from the Kotlin side, well, from JetBrains side to, to, to address that in a way. Yeah, that's cool. That's good to hear. Because I think also it's kind of a nice thing for developers to port stuff from one platform to the other. Some people consider this a lot of sport, right? So yeah, eventually this stuff will appear or has already appeared. Yeah, discoverability is key then. Yeah. So yeah, cool. I I I think we've we've clearly uh, seen today uh, that there's a lot of stuff to to look forward to, and that a lot of stuff is really is is manifesting from kind of what the what used to be ideas and promises a while ago, and now with with Loom being in preview in in Java 17, um, as you said, uh, and with uh, you know all the the functionality and and adoption of of Kotlin uh, and and coroutines on the server side. As well as kind of the the growth of of native stuff, so I'm I'm definitely I'm looking forward to to seeing what's what's next. Um, yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, for today, uh, we are gonna be out of time. 
so I want to say thank you so much, Urs, for, for coming on the show. Um, I've checked beforehand, and I know that people can find a couple of your talks on YouTube as well, just by looking up your name. So it's just uh, Urs Peter. Um, but is there anything else that you would like to like shout out um, where people can maybe follow you or you want to draw attention to? I will write um, a kind of lengthier series about uh, Spring Boot and Coroutines because, first of all, Spring Boot hasn't done its homework full yet. There's still some pull requests you should do. Security is not yet working very well. There's some other kind of key areas that you have to do some custom stuff to make it work. So there could definitely be done something more. So uh, watch out for these. And for the rest, um, I'm also talking at the Kotlin Confields, give a workshop there. Yeah. See you around. <laughs> Great. Well, it was ha it was uh, wonderful having you on the shores, and uh, thanks yep, too. We'll see you at some point soon. Yes. Yeah, was a pleasure and a honor. All right. Take yes. Care. Cool. Take care, thanks, everyone. Guys. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye.